0: Welcome back to the most colourful show in all of WWE, and in fact, the entire world, it is NXT 2.0. I am Gareth, and we're going to talk about all the good stuff, because last night was Ladies' Night. We love Ladies' Night. It involved NXT Women's Championship matches, NXT Women's Tag Team Championship matches, and Women's No Disqualification match, which didn't have a belt on the line, but it had bodies on the line. And then we had the most beloved love story ever going on to the honeymoon stage, which was surprisingly not that bad. Obviously, we've got a lot to get into, so I am Gareth here from world Culture Wrestling, let's get to it these are the ups and downs for nxt NXT 2.0 so to kick us off hit head down to the ring and they were talking about all these incredible matches that we were going to have tonight they put over everything and then swerve just highlighted the fact that he's not defending his belt in seemingly an age and he was like ha that's still not going to happen but the cruiserweight championship that's gonna be defended which is all a bit weird but obviously the main focus here was B-Fab taking on Electra Lopez in a no-DQ match. And I'm going to give it an up, but obviously there were a few things that we need to address. Look, let's face it, B-Fab is still pretty damn green. She's not had a lot of matches. This was literally her second match in NXT. So there was obviously going to be a few kinks to iron out. Most probably prevalent in all of this was the fact that she did a dropkick. And it was probably the most wince-inducing thing in the match. And that even includes all the weird chair bumps that happened as well. Because that dropkick, was, it was not good. It was not good. She's got time. She's going she's gonna to grow. She's going to grow. But away from that, I think a lot of the action was actually pretty damn good. There was a moment where Electro Lopez had her leg snapped over a table leg, which was a pretty inventive spot. And as I just said, the chair got introduced into the middle of the ring. There was like a power slam onto the chair. There was a moment when just out of nowhere, B-Fab got dropped with a crossbody through a stand-up chair. She got crossbody straight through it and then she got dropped gut first onto the same standing up chair, which was pretty damn savage. In the end, Electra Lopez sealed the deal with a pump handle powerbomb thing, which means she gets the big win of a BFAB but I'd like to see where these two go in terms of the characters in terms of the storyline and I'd love to see in the next year what an actual match would be like a year later to see what they could bring to the table because this it just uh, there wasn't a lot to it there was a lot of substance there were some nice moments and because they put their asses on the line they're obviously going to get an up i can't down this right we need to talk about this honeymoon so i've not been the biggest fan of all things index that is no secret when it comes to this channel this show just all of it not the biggest fan but the honeymoon it kind of worked for me so we're going to put it all together in one big up i know i've gone bald duh with the shock of it because we had Indian Dexter, they were walking down the beach together, they were putting sun lotion on each other, they were drinking cocktails, it was all lovely. And then you had Candace the Ray and Johnny Gargano just still spying because they're the most untrustworthy parents in existence. And then Candace had to remind Johnny that even though everything was safe and nice now, a honeymoon is a honeymoon for a reason. There's certain things that happen in a honeymoon that can't be avoided. And that really, well, it shocked Johnny. He panicked, he jumped into the ocean, he put a shark fin on and scared them out of the water. But then after this, obviously because they've been scared out of the water, they weren't on the beach anymore, so they headed back to the hotel room where Johnny had some reason he'd gone in there and like started looking for condoms for protection because he wanted them to have protection he found all the condoms just as a point he found every single condom that's ever existed because Dexter Loomis is a madman and then the two got back into the hotel room and instead of you know banging one out together they started having a pillow fight but Johnny didn't know this he was in the closet he was panicking he was overhearing the conversation which pretty much consisted of oh yeah it. hit me right there and then they fell asleep because pillow fighting's really really tiring apparently it's really really tiring they passed out Johnny Johnny went to leave, but then Dexter woke, he stared straight at Johnny, put his thumb up and pulled out loads of condoms, and it was just really unsettling, it did make me giggle, though I don't know what's wrong with me, if I'm this kind of person that laughs and giggles at this kind of stuff, I'm a bad human being, but it gets an up, and I, I don't know what to tell you. And we need to talk about Joe Gacy, because obviously last week, there was a lot of controversy about this Joe Gacy character, it seemed to be targeting the woke generation, a lot of uh, media outlets suddenly started saying, oh this is not good, this is WWE just throwing a hammer at the woke generation, so what did WWE do this week to try and stave off more controversy? They threw Joe Gacy into the middle of the ring and had him say that he hadn't been cancelled. Ha. So this obviously is going to get a bit of a down, and we'll explain why. Because this character has clearly been put together by an old man who's just sat there going, ha, that new generation, those woke idiots, let's let's just say words like triggered and new normal to, to piss them off. Yeah, they'll hate that. They'll think we're, we're attacking them. But newsflash, nobody in that generation is watching NXT right now if you looked at the 16's 49 demographic, which is some pretty, pretty harrowing visuals. Never mind all that, though, because we had Zion Quinn having a match against Only Lorcan, which in itself is going to get an up. But it's getting a little caveat. It's getting a little down because where? in the hell is Donny Birch? He's gone missing. There was a time when only Lorcan and Danny Birch couldn't be seen anywhere without one another. But now, after that big beatdown that happened between Rich Holland, Pete Dunne, and all the rest of those guys, he's gone missing. So we're just not going to have those two as a tag team anymore. I think the, this tag team division could use them. They're veterans. They're brilliant. I don't like this world without Lorcan and Birch. I don't want to live in it. But in terms of the match itself, there's not much more to add than Zion Quinn looks like an absolute powerhouse wrecking machine. He's got like a flying forearm thing that he did for the finish. It was pretty quick when all was said and done. I think there was a point, though, when he took a few uppercuts and I thought, this dude, he's pretty tough as well. And he's a chivalrous man. That's his gimmick, apparently, that he opens doors for women. And it's just working, I think, with the crowd. They seem to really enjoy him to a certain degree. Starting doing his hacker thing, hacker dance, before he hit the flying forearm. They are into it. I was into it. It's all good. Grayson Waller had a little promo, and he was talking about the fact that he surfs. He jumps out of planes. He snowboards. And he just gets given Cruiserweight Championship title shots just because, apparently. Like, there's no real reason for it, but I don't know. We're going to see the match. The match itself, spoiler alert, it's okay. It's pretty damn good. MSK took to the ring and they were going to address the current state of the tag team division and their belts, what they were going to do with them going forward, who they were going to defend them against. But the reason this is going to get down is because we didn't really get that at all. Instead, the Grizzled Young veterans made their way to the ring and it looked like, oh my God, we're finally going to pull the trigger on this incredible match. We're going to have MSK taking on GYV. It's going to be masterful five-star classics, throwing at your face. But we did not get that either. Instead, Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes popped out. Carmelo Hayes was like, ha, remember this briefcase? So one of the breakout tournament, I might cash in on the tag belts. And we might win these belts and just go on a reign of terror over the division. And then Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen, they just suddenly popped up and they were like, oh, we don't like people that look at us sideways, so we're going to start fighting. And guess what? They started fighting. Although this is fine, I know it's shining a spotlight on the new teams that have entered the division, which is all fine and well but. I really, really want to see Grizzled Young Veterans taking on MSK. It's the only really interesting match that I feel like we've got right now in that division that makes me go, oh my god, I need to sit up, I need to stop what I'm doing to watch these two fight. But instead, we're just gonna get an eight-man tag match, which is not really gonna decide who the new contender is. So it just feels like we're treading water. And when we tread water, it pisses me off. Raquel Gonzalez had an interview backstage. She's obviously gonna be a defender at NXT Women's Championship tonight, and she said, I am not overlooking Frankie Monet, but I'm probably gonna tick her off this list because I'm really good. I'm really looking at all the people I beat. And she's going to be added to that list. And then Toxic Attraction making their way towards the rings. They were going to have their big championship match soon enough. They started throwing roses. Just throwing roses at Raquel Gonzalez. And Mandy Rose was like, oh, that's that's a pretty nice belt you've got there. It looks pretty damn good on you. But it looked better on me, which, oh, I don't know. I think I kind of want to see Mandy Rose with the belt. I kind of want to see that. But kind of like Raquel Gonzalez. I'm conflicted. I like confliction. Let's move forward. Said Toxic Attraction versus Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. NXT Women's Tag Team Championship match. That is a mouthful. What's next? And it's going to get a big old up because I really enjoyed it. The big underlying story throughout this Eoshirai Shirai Zoe start run so far, even though they've only had like two defences, is the fact that they just can't get along. They're the unlikely odd couple of this division, but they've still got the belts at the top because they're two dominant singles performers that are having to put their heads together and work. And that's exactly what they did in this match, which made it really enjoyable. Io Shirai was quite happy to tag in, Zoe Stark, they both exploded around the ring, hit all the drop kicks, all the kip-ups, all the power slams. It was impressive stuff. But Gigi Dolan and JC Jane are no mugs. There was a point where Gigi Dolan did like a senton off the top rope in the midst of everyone deciding to leave the ring and just splat on the outside of the floor. And then JC Jane did like a running drive-by knee to Io Shirai's face at one point, point. Nearly took a chop straight off. And look, I was really enjoying this match up until the final little stretch of it where, like, Zoe Stark had hit a flipping knee thing onto JC Jane. She fell out of the ring and then she started squabbling with Mandy Rose and it just kind of lost momentum. It just, I thought, oh, something big is going to happen on the outside. It didn't. And then Io Shirai hit a moon over moonsault on JC Jane and won the match. And it was a bit like, oh, okay, is that it? great. I mean, Gigi Dolan, JC Jane both looked pretty good in the match. The champs obviously looked really good because they've won the match, but it just felt a bit flat at the end. But I'm not going to take away the up. The up is standing there because it was still a good old showcase of this division. A quick little Brom Breaker video highlight package thing where he was just talking about battering everyone and being the most impressive person in NXT currently. And I think that's pretty much spot on. He is. I really like Bron Breaker. And he said, I won that NXT championship and if you want a friend, don't come to me. Get a dog. And now I kind of want a dog. Bron Breaker, what are you doing to me? And then something really weird happened because we had Tian Shah come down to the ring because obviously Boa was going to have a big match and I was like, oh, really mystical. Tian Shah was happening. And then suddenly it just cut to Vic Wade Beth having a FaceTime in Tommaso Ciampa. And I was like, is Boa just stood there like, come on guys, I want to I fight someone. Before we could get to Boa fighting, we had Tommaso Champion just talking about the fact that he was quite happy to take on Brombreaker at some point down the line, but it took him 908 days to get this belt. So Brom Breaker, you can't just jump the line and suddenly come in here and just challenge for the belt. He's probably going to have to jump through a few more hoops until he gets that shot. But then we did have Boa taking on Andre Chase. That was the match. The match itself is going to get an up for everything it achieved. It wasn't a classic. You're probably not going to remember it much longer than after. Probably I've spoken about it in this video, but it did what it need to because Andre Chase is the most easy an detestable human right now that NXT have to offer, because he's pretty much playing a university teacher, and if you've been to university, you probably didn't like university teachers, tutors, whatever you want to call them. So everyone who's of a younger age or even an older age who remembers university does not like this man. They were booing him. It was good. And every time Chase got some momentum under his high-waisted belt, out of nowhere, Bo just started kicking the crap out of him, and everyone loved it. He was talking loads of smack, and then he got kicked, he talked more smack, then he got kicked in the face. In the end, though, it always does help to have somebody on the outside who's capable of spitting venomous mist into people's faces and that's exactly what happened because Andre Chase fell out of the ring. He got misted by Mei Ying, came back into the ring and got hit with like a spinning forearm drop thing smashed to the face. It's probably got a name, but I'm very lazy and I didn't look it up. Again, I'm not entirely sure what the future holds for Tian Sha on this new rebranded NXT thing because it's just not a gimmick that seems to mesh well with the surroundings, with the audience and everything. It's just a bit off right now. I hope when zaili comes back, it gets a bit more gravitas again, but right now it's, I don't know, it's just there, isn't it? Oh boy, oh boy, we had our Cruiserweight Championship match. It was next, it was Roderick Strong defending his belt against Grayson Waller, the suicidal, high-flying, sky-diving son-of-a-gun, and this is going to get my yellow highlighter of the week because, my golly gosh, it was a bit of a good match. I really enjoyed it, and I think you will too. Because let's face it, it wasn't anything new. You had this veteran who was just grinding the life force out of Grayson Waller with backbreaker upon backbreaker, and it was working really well for him. And then you had Grayson Waller, who was just this plucky underdog newbie who was just having to fight through the pain and the anger and the anguish and all that stuff, and he somehow got back into the match and started just flying with like springboard elbows, with flying sentons outside of the ring, and everyone was starting to get a little bit behind Waller. And again, just as a little side note: I'm not happy about the fact that Waller's just suddenly dropped Drake Maverick out of nowhere. Like that was a cool little partnership, and now he's now he's gone. He's just just not friends with him. Why? Why? But as I said, there was a moment where Waller started fighting himself back into the match, and then out of nothing, he had Stunner, and the near fall. The reaction that we got from this near fall nearly just sent the entire arena into a frenzy it was madness everybody was on board and then roderick strong just being the absolute dick that he is hit a flying knee out of nowhere again and won the match that was it and everyone was like ah Oh, that's a, that's a shame, but Roderick Strong, you're really good. And Grayson Waller, we want to see more of you. So, this match, it did what it had to. Obviously, it's really good. We like it. Jumping to LA Night in a backstage interview, he was pretty much confirming that he is going to have a match with Odyssey Jones next week because he didn't like Odyssey Jones, and Odyssey Jones is apparently running him down somewhere, probably online at some point. And then Andre Chase stormed past him, and everyone on this show was saying, Sugar, Honey, Ice Tea. Just put those words together, you'll figure it out. That's the new thing now. Everyone could say this word. So, he started screaming it as he went past. He was not happy with the fact that he lost. Then, Odyssey Jones popped up, he got cheap-shotted by LA Knight during all this frenzy, all this hoorah and craziness. So, yeah, that match is happening. Hurrah. Quick Dante Chen video where he's talking about the fact that he's got passion. He's got perseverance. He's got precision. He's got the three Ps and that's all you need. Corey Jade and Trey Baxter had a backstage interview with Mackenzie Mitchell. They were just having a bit of a chat, having a bit of a, a cool little relationship bond type thing going on there. And Corey Jade was like, I'm going to have a match. I've got a match next week. I'm the youngest person on this NXT roster at 20 years old. My goodness, I feel like an old man. And then Trey Baxter just started flirting weirdly and saying like, oh, don't do what I did. I lost last week. And she was like, oh, I won't. And that was it. I don't understand these kind of new relationships, do I? And then we had lashing out with Lash Legend. That's a lot of L's, but it's not an L in terms of this. It's not a loss. It's an up. I really enjoyed it. Because it wasn't just your stereotypical sit-down interview show, talk show mess terrible stuff that we always get on WWE where somebody just comes in randomly and gets asked really boring, bland questions. Instead, Lash Legend treated it like a catch-up, a round-up for the week, if you will. She was just sat there. She was talking to a live studio audience. It had been filmed separate to NXT, and I really liked that as well. It felt a bit different. She talked about the draft. She talked about the fact that she's been involved in a draft, the WNBA draft, because she hit the most rebounds ever. She put herself over, obviously. She then name-dropped Corey J, Trey Baxter, Ike Jiro as the man that everyone wants, which is 100% correct. And then she said the Lash out of the week was Andre Chase because nobody likes Chase and that is the point we don't like him but I like this because it just it gives everyone a good understanding of these new people these new faces like they name dropped all of them so people who are casual audience members are going oh these people they must be kind of important if they're popping out and lashing out with Lash Legend it's a little rough around the edges yes I'll admit but I dig it and I hope it's pretty good going forward and then this just felt like a massive waste of time I've got to say it; I can't sugarcoat it it's gonna get a down it is Rich Holland taking on Kyle O'Reilly how did this get a down well I I'll tell you why. It's because he was literally just thrown at you. Like, they had this little weak, two-week build towards this match because Kyle rally obviously got jumped by Pete Dunne and Rich Holland. Then they started scrapping later on down the line over the next couple of weeks. And then, out of nothing, they just had a match. It was like, there you go. There's your grudge match. And it was... Nothing really, that's the only word to describe it as nothing because they didn't have any time to really get stuck into each other, they just like cruised through some knees and punches and power slams, it was all a bit just empty. And then in the closing stages, Pete Dunne jumped on the apron, and then Ridge Holland got thrown into Pete Dunn, he got rolled up for the quick roll up finish. So we got a roll up finish in a nothing grudge match, it was just a mess, I didn't like it. And to make it even worse, after the match, Von Wagner had to come down to the ring and save Kylo Rally from a beatdown. Von Wagner, the same person who pretty much stole the NXT Championship shot from Kylo rally that he had a couple of weeks back. So these two are now mates and they're probably gonna have a tag match against Ridge Holland and Pete Dunne. And I just don't care. I don't care about any of this. What has happened to my cool Kyle? And then Tony D'Angelo was down by the docks. He was talking about his family and the docks and saying that he was the guy who used to sort out situations and he's gonna sort out lots of situations when he comes to NXT. That's gonna be a thing. We like Tony. We can't wait to see it, Tony. And just like that, it was time for the main event of the evening. It was Raquel Gonzalez defending her NXT Women's Championship against Frankie Monet. And it's going to get an up. I like this. It brought something a little bit unexpected. Because it's not often that we see Raquel Gonzalez having to fight against somebody who's genuinely able to match her power for power, blow for blow. But that is exactly what Frankie Monet did. And she threw in a few pretty wicked submissions as well, which definitely piqued my interest. Obviously, this match was put back two weeks for undisclosed reasons. We're not really going to go into that here, but I really enjoyed what Monet brought to the table. She just Pummeled at times, like Gonzalez, she started just squeezing the life out of her with scissors, really thickening submissions, all the S's And then she got a bit too cocky, really. I think her downfall here was the fact that she started smack talking Gonzalez, which is never a good thing to do. And then when it looked like Raquel Gonzalez was gonna hit the chingona bomb on Frankie Monet, she couldn't because her back had been obliterated by the challenger all the way through this bout. There was drama. But of course, our champion can overcome anything, and she did. In the end, she hit another chingona bomb, suddenly, out of nowhere, got the win, it was a big obstacle seriously big obstacle an unexpectedly big obstacle for her to overcome but we weren't done here because Toxic Attraction suddenly showed up and they battered the Robert Stone brand on the way out they were like thanks for coming guys we're going to take the stage and they did they took down Raquel Gonzalez after she'd thrown the belt at Gigi Dolan nearly knocked her damn head off and they battered her they just three on Wanda it was not pretty they absolutely pulverized this woman in the middle of the ring and then Mandy Rose lifted the belt she's obviously got eyes for the gold so I feel like we might be heading in that direction and I wouldn't be completely against it. I've got to be honest, because I think there are rumors of Raquel Gonzalez moving up to the main roster. That could be really good. I think it'd be good for the main roster, to be honest, just to have somebody of that ilk there, just to freshen things up. But it'd give Mandy Rose as well a new reason for being the top dog in NXT, so I think all around that could work. But those have been your ups and downs for NXT this week, and I'm probably going to give this an up. I think it did what it needed to. There were a lot of downs this week. I didn't really enjoy a lot of parts of it, but I think overall, there were a lot of new faces that are getting the time they need to grow, and I'm curious for the future.